Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was seven years old, I started playing American football. And the game was, was pretty much the same for a few years. Every year, my, our coaches would try and teach us just basic instruction, trying to get these kids to understand how the game of football was played and what the basic skills were that you needed in order to play the game. Once I got to high school, though, a pretty dramatic shift took place. Because now, at that point, almost everyone knew the basic rules. And so my coach's emphasis shifts from basic instruction to athleticism. My coach wanted to make us bigger and faster and stronger. And he always told us that everything came down to the fourth quarter. That it was in those last 15 minutes that we would be truly tested. And whoever was the strongest, whoever had the most endurance... When that fourth quarter rolled around, was the team that was going to win the game. In our message this morning, we're going to look at a section of St. John's letter, which we've been going through these past few weeks, a section in which he tells us that we are in the fourth quarter, the last hour. And as we live in this final period, we're going to be tested. If we want to persevere through that test. If we want to win, we're going to have to be strong. <clears throat> as, we, as we struggle through the tests that we have before us in our life, it's not exactly the same as a game of football, though, is it? In fact, the tests that we have are more like a true and false test that we might find in, in school. So, as we go through this true and false test that we have in this last hour of the world, God wants us to be able to recognize counterfeits, and he wants us to be able to recognize Christians. Any of you that have ever played or watched a game of football, or any other sport for that matter, know that it's not the same as real life. In a game, the players wear uniforms. They have jerseys on and and if any player on the field wants to know who is on his side and who is on the other side, all he has to do is look at the color of the shirts the other people are wearing. But in real life, there are no jerseys. In our spiritual struggle, there's no colors differentiating between the good guys and the bad guys. So as we continue walking in the light, as John has been encouraging us to do, we need to know somehow... What is the light and what is the darkness? So God gives us some principles through his servant John. Three principles that will help us to identify counterfeits in our spiritual contest. The first of those three is that these, these antichrists are going to depart from the church. But first, let's take a look at, at the first two verses. If you look in the, the text in your worship bulletins, we have these verses from John where he says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, 
Even now, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. So Jesus had told John and the other disciples that that the last hour, this, this spiritual fourth quarter, would be marked by the arrival of the Antichrist. And there are other parts in the Bible that talk about the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. A lot of time and discussion has been spent regarding just who that Antichrist may be. But here in, in 1 John, we have something a little different. Because John tells us, even now, many Antichrists have come. So we might start wondering, who are these people? And I think we can save ourselves a lot of time and discussion by simply looking at that word, Antichrist. Break it into two parts. It means people who are anti or against Jesus Christ. And so now, in this spiritual battle, those Antichrists aren't wearing jerseys. There aren't people wandering around out in this world that have a a t-shirt on that says, Hello, I'm an Antichrist. So how are we going to find them? How are we going to know who they are? That's why God gives us these principles that we'll look at this morning. The first one, as I said, is that Antichrists depart. They depart from Christ's body. They depart from the church. John tells us, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Sometimes it's easy to spot people who are opposing Christ. We're not going to go up and ask for spiritual advice from someone that we know is an atheist or a Buddhist or a Muslim or anyone else who openly identifies with a religion outside of Christianity. But the scary thing is, that's not who John is telling us about. John is telling us about antichrists, people who are against Jesus, that are coming from right within the church. There are people out there that once claimed to be Christians, but they hold so fast to the things in this world that are false, the things that aren't true, that they've been dragged right back into the darkness. Those might be people that are very close to you. They might be friends. They could be family. And what John is warning us here is of the danger that they pose to us. The danger that they pose to your faith and the danger they pose to your salvation. And it could be that you might find yourself doing a little departing. That maybe you haven't been here with us as often as you think you should, as often as God tells us we should. And if that's the case, then John's word, words here are, are a warning to you too, to get out of the darkness and get back into the light. The second thing that John tells us about our opposition is that Antichrist deny. If we look at verse 22, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. So you'll be able to identify 
your opponents an antichrist because it will be someone who claims to be a Christian but denies that Jesus is the Christ. That sounds like it would be pretty obvious, but it's really not that simple. The fact of the matter is there are thousands of people in this world that say they're Christians, they say they believe that Jesus is their Savior, but when you get down to the nitty-gritty, you'll see that's not actually the case. Because they aren't giving Jesus the credit for their salvation. They think instead that there's something they have to do, some part that they have to play in order to be saved. And John is warning us to to watch out for people that deny Jesus in that way. We also need to watch out that we don't do it ourselves. Because as humans, there is something deep inside our core that wants to hold on to that selfish notion that I can do it. I don't need anyone else. I can do this by myself. And if I accept help from the outside, then that's admitting weakness, Independency. Our sinful natures want to, to earn our salvation for ourselves. And that's why every single man-made religion out there in this world boils down to one thing. The path to making yourself right with God. What it is that you have to do to earn your salvation or to reach your enlightenment what you have to do to be saved. Only Christianity, only the Bible, teaches that there is absolutely no hope for you to earn your salvation. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, who has already won salvation for you. That is the Christ who our opponents deny. That's the Christ who these these antichrists were departing from. And if that's all they did, if all they did was depart and deny, then we'd be okay here. They wouldn't really pose that much of a danger to us, but John isn't just telling us about these people so that we know there are folks out there that don't believe in Jesus anymore. He's writing, he says, to let us know about those who are trying to lead you astray. And that's that third characteristic he gives us about the Antichrist. It's the greatest part of God's warning to us today. Antichrists deceive. Remember, we've kind of had this picture of the fourth quarter in this football game, so if the Antichrist, that's their team banner, their team name, well then their team captain is Satan. And Satan is the prince of deception, the prince of lies. And if he came to us and appeared like he does maybe in the, in the Sunday comics with little red horns and a, a pitchfork in his hand and he came up and told you to do something that the Bible clearly says not to do, it really wouldn't be that hard for us to ignore him, to not believe what he says, and to go on following the Bible. But when Satan comes to us through those around us, people that we know and interact with, people that we trust and love, that's when we really have to be on our guard. We have to watch out so that we aren't deceived. We have to be careful to hold to what is true 
and recognize what is false. God knows that this fourth quarter is going to take the form of this true and false test, and so he's given us a pretty awesome gift. He's given us the answer sheet, so to speak. And it gets even better. Here are the words that, that you always wanted to hear when you were in school, or if you're in school, you're going to look forward to hearing these words. It's an open book test. You get to have the answer guide open the whole time you're going through, so everything you hear, check it with the Word of God. That means everything you hear me say, check it with the Word of God. Everything you hear pastors say, check it with the Word of God. Don't believe somebody just because they tell you they're a Christian. Believe someone when what they tell you agrees with what God tells you in His Word. When we take a look at God's Word, when we take a look specifically at this part of John's letter to the church, we see that he doesn't just tell us about our opponents. He doesn't just write about those antichrists. God also gives us three characteristics of what a true Christian looks like. If you want to be a banker, a bank teller, perhaps, as you're going through your training and instruction to be a bank teller, you'll have to learn how to identify counterfeit bills. And as they're going through that training, they don't do it by taking a look at every single possible fake bill that could ever exist. They look at one thing. They look at the real deal. And once they know exactly what that actual dollar bill looks like, $5 bill looks like, then they'll be able to spot a fake when it's in front of them. God gives us the same thing. He wants us to be able to identify counterfeit Christians, but perhaps an easier way than knowing their traits is to know what the traits are of a true Christian. So the first one we have is that Christians are anointed. John has been telling us in the, in the first two verses about these opponents, the Antichrist, but now he says, you... You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. There are times when we're reading the Bible that it would be beneficial to us if we still spoke Greek instead of English, and I think this is one of them. Because there's a picture here in the Greek, a, a play on words that we kind of miss in the English. We have some words here with similar sounds. We have the name Christ, which comes from the Greek word Christus, which means anointed one. Then Antichrist would be Antichristus, those who are against the anointed one. But you, you, John says, are not Antichristus, because you have received a Christmas, an anointing from the Holy One. The Holy Spirit has anointed us to be Christians, to follow Jesus, in the exact same way that the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus to be our Savior. We have a common bond with Christ. And that's why we can call ourselves Christians. It's no different than what we were looking at last week. You cannot be both in the light and in the darkness. You cannot be both 
antichrist and Christian. You cannot be for Christ and against him. It's either one or the other. The Bible shows us exactly where we are. It says we started off over here in the darkness. We were anti-Christ. We were against Jesus with everything that was in us. But then the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, God gave us this anointing. A free gift from God so that now we know the truth. And it wasn't a truth that we discovered on our own. It was a gift. A gift that was given to us through that anointing of the Holy Spirit. The next trait, the second trait that we learn about true Christians flows directly from the first one because Christians who have been anointed by the Holy Spirit acknowledge Jesus as the Christ. And John tells us that whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. But what does it mean to acknowledge the Son? It means that we're going to confess everything the Bible has to tell us about Jesus. That Jesus is true God. That He came down to earth and took on human flesh, becoming true man. That He lived a perfect life in our stead, died an innocent death in our place, taking our, our punishment for our sins on Himself, and then rose again in victory, giving us that awesome assurance that that 100% positive assurance that our sins are forgiven and that we have an inheritance with Him. Acknowledging Jesus as the Christ doesn't mean just confessing those truths about Him here. It means living those truths in your life. And as we know that we have that assurance of forgiveness of sins, that we have that assurance of eternal life with Him in heaven, we're going to show that through our works, through our, our words and actions as we live, live our lives, as that joy of what Christ has done for us, that joy of our redemption bubbles forth in, in everything that we do. Jesus has taken away our sins. That's the gospel truth. That's the truth that was revealed to us through our anointing, the truth which we acknowledge when we confess our faith here together. But we don't stop there. And John didn't stop there in his encouragement to us. He continues, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. As his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. And so that's the third characteristic of a true Christian. Christians abide. So, Christians abide. Abide in Christ. Abide here in His church. Abide in His Word. If we remain in Christ, He promises that He will remain in us. It's not going to be easy, though, because this is the fourth quarter. You're being tested. You're worn down. You're tired. And Jesus tells us all of the things that we can expect that will happen to us as we live our lives. If you look 
back to the gospel lesson in Matthew. All of those things which Jesus tells us, watch out, for many will come claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive you. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes. And you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. The love of most will grow cold. And then the end will come. All of these things have already happened. You've seen them happen in your lifetime. John had seen them happen by the end of his lifetime. As we abide in Jesus, our opponents, these antichrists and their team captain, the devil, are going to try their hardest to stop us. As we dwell in the Word, they're going to try as hard as they can to get us to doubt the Word, to deceive us. As we stay here and abide in the church, they're going to try their hardest to get us to depart from the church. And if it was up to just us, we wouldn't stand a chance. But it's not. Because our team captain is stronger still. Our captain, our king, is Jesus Christ. And with him on our side, we can't fail. Because he's already won. And so he has the power to give us that blessed assurance, that assurance we heard in Matthew, that he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So brothers and sisters in Christ, abide. Remain. Stay in Christ and in His Word. Be faithful even to the point of death, He promises us. And He will give you the crown of life. As we stay with Jesus in His Word, we see that He has anointed us to be His own. He has never, and He will never forsake us. Even when that meant that that He gave up His life for us, on the cross. That's our Christ. The light that shines through the darkness. So as we, as we struggle through this fourth quarter with the darkness pressing in on all sides, hold fast to Christ. He is the only thing that will get you through. Keep your eyes on Him because He is good and His promise to you is true. And this is what He has promised us, even eternal life. Amen. Now may the grace of God, which transcends understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord unto life everlasting. Amen.